Welcome to the Find Your Awesome Podcast, Magical Beings. My name is Kelsey Abbott. I'm your host. I'm an intuitive human design reader, a certified professional coach, and an instigator of joy. And this episode is number 130, 130 episodes of the Find Your Awesome Podcast. It's amazing. 130 conversations with humans who inspire me, humans who let me and us into their hearts, their minds, their souls, their stories. Oh, I am so incredibly grateful for every single one of these people. And so incredibly grateful for every single moment of connection and wisdom that they have shared with us. And magic, of course. And since the beginning, this podcast has been a total labor of love. As you can hear, I'm really pumped up about the conversations and the connection and the humans. That's why I do this. I create every episode for connection, for magic, out of curiosity. I've never looked at my download numbers and I have no interest in ever looking at them because no good or really nothing can come of my looking at those. I am in this for the connection. And the process of creating this podcast is a total labor of love. It involves my organizing with the guest, it in, and then it involves the conversation, then it involves editing and show notes, which Pete does, my husband does. Then there's Jamie and Kristen and Teresa that help get the episode on the internet and out to all the podcast apps. And then there's Danielle who does everything and helps remind me that everything is perfect and everything is magical. This team, oh, I am forever grateful for the people that helped me produce this. And I have an invitation for all of you. I finally launched a Patreon campaign. So if you want to contribute to this team's creation of the Find Your Awesome podcast, we would be incredibly grateful. You can go to patreon.com slash Kelsey Abbott and donate. And we will say thank you. Thank you. Thank you for being part of this journey. And whether or not you donate, thank you so much for listening. Now let's talk about this week's episode. It is with Brooke Ramsey. Equally at home in the backcountry and the boardroom, Brooke Ramsey is an endurance athlete, improviser, and lover of life. She's a certified professional coach, energy leadership index master practitioner, and a member of the International Coaching Federation. She's also an MBA dropout. Her success measures include how many times she spontaneously broke into dance that day and how many courage testing opportunities she showed up for. Enjoy this episode, my friends, and go forth and be awesome. Okay, I'm so excited to do this with you again. Thank you, technology, okay. for getting us to do this a second time. <laughs> Will you? We were just talking about just where you are in life and business right now. Can you just start there? Cool. Hi. Super amazing. So I was just saying to Kelsey that I. It's so today's like February something. It's like February 6th or 7th or something. I don't know. We're in the first week of February. Since January 1st, I have felt like I was running, like not even in a bad way. Like I was just running. I was doing this. I was doing that. Like so many activities, so much like so much business stuff, so much personal stuff. And then yesterday I was like, oh, I can just stand still and I can still be doing all of it. Part of that, that is I'm waitlisting clients now. So I like, I actually feel like it would be unethical for me to start working with anyone else because there's so much, so many energies in my field right now with the people that I'm working with. Um, and I really want to be like devoted to their, their transformations, their energy, their experiences. And so taking anyone else on would be crazy, but also from like a financial position, it's so amazing to be in a place where I don't have to run to attract anyone. Not that I ever would have had to, but like that mindset of there's nothing to be, worked towards I can just like sit and experience it all which still feels like taking action and doing things but it feels like doing it from a place of 
here I am and this is all happening and I'm safe in that and I'm like big enough to be with all of it and it's like all very um it's all very real it's all very like still exciting and enthusiasm and movement and like expression but it's from a place of I want to say not overwhelm and if one of my clients described to me something as a not something I would force them to come up with the word that it is which you understand so when I say not overwhelm what I mean is what's the real thing the positive thing is it's like contentment um something solid it sounds like gr like grounded balance yeah. to me grounded um I don't I picture you grounded in a beam of light, like strong beam of light. It like my little selenite that I was Exactly. I have this um for people who cannot see this. I have this little piece of selenite that I was randomly holding when I was talking to Kelsey and then I started <laughs> pointing it at her and she's like, "Why are you What did you say? You're like mm -hmm. you're flinging your selenite at me. Your selenite wand. A selenite wand. Yes. Yeah, so I'm like in this little wand right now. Like, um yeah amazing how does it feel so when you felt like you were running did it feel like breathless yeah i felt i felt some exhaustion like oh i have to get this done there's a deadline i've got to fix like i gotta figure this out so there's very much from a place of like problem solving as opposed to just experiencing the experience um so running to me is so amazing and so beautiful. Like it's not a negative, it wasn't a negative space to be in. It's not something to avoid. I think it's more of a, am I running because this is the time that I should be running? Is there like a cheetah chasing me and it's time to run? And like, this is a healthy, smart, beautiful thing to be doing right now. Or am I running because it's my default mode? Um, I think I was getting into it where I'd been in it a little bit long and it was because because it was default and not because it was true and real. Like it was, I didn't need to be running, but I was like, I forgot to look down at my feet and go, oh, you can stop. Um, and so it's just so nice to be like, nice to be in my beam of light now, just standing very grounded. grounded. What do you think, what shifted to get you from running to yeah. standing in your beam of light? I always go back to, I learned, well, first I learned so much from the people I work with, from like my clients, you know, I'm air quoting clients right now. Um, and so I always find that the things that they're going through and experiencing, like have lessons for me. Like I, I see myself as like a teacher and a student continuously in those relationships. So I think a little bit about observing where my clients were at and what they were experiencing kind of was a tip off. And then the other piece, um, the belief that everything is perfect and that everything is like happening in, in coaching, I would say like what is meant to emerge will always emerge. So the shift was I think going, okay, what's actually emerging as opposed to what I think I'm creating, like what's actually here. So the reality is, oh, the reality is, is like, I have all my agenda booked for the month. Like I have my clients, I, I have all my social stuff. I have my improv things. I have my fitness is all booked. Like everything, the reality is, is like, it's all emerged. I don't need to keep fluffing it up and creating it. So I think that was, like maybe a result, like that's part of the shift, but I think I'm not totally hitting it. Your question's really good. I'm not, I'm not completely answering it the way that I would like to, but my deepest, we call it gremlin, um, you know, that this, the message that internally we've probably held for a long time. So the gremlin is like this, and you know this, but for any listening, like the gremlin is this voice or belief that fundamentally alters and impacts your ability to show up in the rest of the world. So like a common, a common gremlin is like, I'm too much, or I'm not enough, or um, I'm not smart enough, anything I'm not blank enough, or I'm too blank. So my core gremlin 
message, and I don't really like the word gremlin, but I'm using it right now, but my core message is, is the not enough. So my more specifically is if I'm not exceptional, I'm nothing. So that is like a deeply like influential belief that's like held somatically and mentally for me. And so when I stop and go, oh, are you trying to do, are you running because you're trying to be exceptional because you're afraid that if you're not exceptional, you're not enough? Or do you want to be running right now? So I think the big shift for me is like, oh, this is all fucking good enough and it's exceptional already and I don't need to try to make it more exceptional. Like, it's like the cherry's already on the fucking cake. Like, you don't need to grow a cherry tree and pick some fucking cherries. Like, that's ridiculous. So, yeah, it's a lot around... I don't have to work to be exceptional and who gives a fuck if I'm not exceptional all the time. Like it's, it's so deeply rooted and I'm like, you, you probably know your message too, Kelsey, but it's like, that's yeah, my, mine is that's I'm not, or mine was I've healed it. Um, it was, I'm not worthy of sparkling, mm-hmm. which is why so much of my messaging is about the universe wants you to be sparkly AF. Yes. Yes. And you do it. And like this idea of a, so two things I want to say to that. A, you're so fucking good at that. You like your posts are that way. Like your messaging that way. Like you show up, you show up in the world sparkly, which is so amazing. And the B to that is that when you do that, it's an invitation for the rest of us to do it. And so I think sometimes people get stuck in that message of like, I can't be sparkly or like, I can't be, I can't be exceptional or I can't because, oh, I'll be seen as conceited or cocky or da da. But what it's actually doing is creating space for other people to be their fucking sparkly selves. Right. Yes. Thank you. Thank you so much for that. And yes, that's what I want to do. Give everyone permission to be sparkly. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And what I find so interesting about your message is um, you're a projector in human design. And I think that's probably a common message for a lot of projectors because you guys are different. You're here to guide us. I mean, every type is different than every other type, but like you guys are basically, I think of you as birds, you guys are sitting on the branch watching the rest of us on the ground you're just like a different species and you're not here to go, 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 go all the time. But when you're around generators and manifesting generators with our defined sacral, you pick up our, our engine and feel like it's your own and use it. But then if you use it too much, you're going to burn yourself out. Mm -hmm. This is why projectors get exhausted a lot. Yeah. 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 So maybe I was running on my engine and now I'm sitting back on my branch. Mm-hmm. I'm like or running oh, yeah. on someone else's engine. <laughs> yeah. You don't even have your own. You've got a rechargeable battery. Oh, it's so nice. Yeah. It's so nice to like be able to be inspired by other people and like inspired by other people's energies, other people's like values, what they show up in the world as. It's a gift to be able to like appreciate those things yeah and something that's coming up for me because I didn't know about the projector thing until I met you so I like I had no I didn't even know what human design was so I'm like totally in learning mode and it's so interesting like the things I've learned but when a couple of years ago I was in a conference and we were given this assignment might have been training but we were given this assignment to contact someone in our life and ask them for the three their three favorite things about us. So it was, it was an activity around like self love and, you know, like being proud of yourself for who you are. And one of my best friends, and like, I got this from multiple people, actually, there was like a common message and it was like, you see the beauty in everything. You always like see the best in everyone and every situation and people. And what's interesting is now I'm connecting that to like the projector thing. It's like, it really serves me to see the greatness in others. Cause then I just get to be the, I get to be greatness myself. So it really helps me to focus on that element of everyone else because then I get to use that as my engine. I, I don't know. How does that sound in terms of like validity well, in human design? It might not be a human design thing, but there is a gate. There are two actually that basically say like you see the beauty in everything. Mm-hmm. 
one of them is the everything is awesome little gate and the other is like a love of life yeah. and finding the gift in the present yeah both of those are very real for me like mm -hmm. because why how else would i want to play like if i there's this thought experiment um it's actually a political philosopher who created this. It's going to hit me as I'm telling you, but it's it's like a it's a thought experiment. Um, John Rawls, he's a political philosopher. So the thought experiment is if you didn't know how you were going to be born, so you don't know your gender, you don't know like what class you're going to be born into, you don't know if you have like a developmental dis disability or difference, you, you know nothing about how you're going to show up in the world. If that's true what type of a government or social system would you create before you were born or would you like prefer so that's a separate you know political conversation but the reason i'm bringing that up is like i want to live in a world where you know that life is awesome and everything's a gift and it's all fun so like like my you know so i'll just believe that because that's way more fun for me like like it's a very selfish uh way of seeing the world but it's very fun and playful um why wouldn't I believe that about reality? Because then I get to experience reality as if it is a gift. Exactly. And I'm, I'm with you. I don't actually have either of those gates in human design. And yet I still believe that everything is a gift. Mm -hmm. You don't have to have those little gifts in human design. But I think we can feel when things, things hit us at a soul level. Mm -hmm. We're like, oh, like okay, this, this is random, but related. Today, I was thinking about how a few years ago, I heard this guy talking about um, how athletes to better condition themselves are supposed to start practicing only breathing through their nose. And, and now I realize that that was a no on the deep soul level, but I was like, no, this doesn't make sense to me. And I realized it was like my soul screaming, no, because in human design, my digestion type is I'm here to taste the world mm -hmm. and I'm basically supposed to be a mouth breather. Like mm -hmm. I'm supposed to taste everything, like breathe the world in through my mouth. Yeah. And no wonder so that, I was like, that no, like, that would be so shallow for you. That would like be very unfulfilling for you. And yeah, I wouldn't be able to taste anything. Knew, your intuition knew that that was the wrong message for you. Yeah. It's very interesting. Like, the resonance idea the idea of like how do we like that when do you feel that internal yes no pull and how how brave you know how do we build our bravery that we can listen to it because it's like so we say you're an athlete your coach is telling you that like how do you have the like the goal and the oomph and the self-belief to say nah, not for me soul says mm -hmm. no no thank you and it's so i haven't another time when I was working with somebody and um, she was a health coach and she wanted me to eat sweet potato toast for breakfast. And intuitively I was like, no, <laughs> she was like, why? And I was like, I don't know. Don't know, but I know, no. Yeah. yeah. And she challenged me and was like, I think you're afraid. And so of course my ego was like, oh no, I can do it. And then, you know what? I did it and my body did not like it it did not give me the energy I needed. It's very that interesting. Like now I'm thinking about what she said and her role as a coach in that place to say, I think you're afraid. So as a coach, it's fucking hard because I might intuitively know that actually that's not true. I might be like, no, Kelsey, Kelsey's right. Like Kelsey's in tune with herself right now. And I'm going to fucking push her even farther. And I'm going to tell her that she's afraid and see where that is. So I think that's like a technique and a, and a way to show up as a coach. I don't think, I don't think I'm always enlightened enough to do it. I don't, I'm not saying that that is what the intention of the coach you were working with was, but like, it shows you it, what it's speaking to me is like, we're in such a position of, as coaches, we're in such a position of needing to be in our integrity like because it could be super super damaging for someone for her as a coach to push you on that and to say something like that unless you were fully in your strength so it takes a lot of discernment as a coach 
and I fucked up before. And like some, you know, I think about conversations and yeah, we can never make a mistake and it's all perfect, but still like there, like there's been times I just had this a couple of weeks ago where I know I, I pushed someone like a little bit too hard and I felt the resonance shift. Like I felt us disconnect because I felt their body go Ugh. like now you're, this isn't like in integrity. This isn't like to my highest good because obviously as when I'm working with a client, it's like my job is to be there for their highest good. It's not about me. Right. We have to separate ourselves from it. But I definitely like, what was funny is that my, my gremlin about being exceptional kind of got activated and then it spoke. Um, but all that to say, like you just, that experience of the health coach saying, do this, you say no, them saying, oh, it's because you're afraid. Like that's a danger. Like that's a fucking tightrope right there because it can serve you because look, it's kind of served you. You like recognize now, like, no, that wasn't it. And I, I can like speak firmly on it. But yeah, if you were not in that space, that could be seriously damaging. Yeah. And just to like follow up on it for me, it was such a gift because it yes. was like, right. My intuition does know things and I don't have to explain it. Yes. Like yeah. no means no. Yeah. And, and now knowing human design as a manifesting generator, my sacral responds to things with a yes or a no mm -hmm. and how we know. And that's how we're supposed to decide everything because the universe is constantly showing us things. And how we know that it's a true sacral response is that we can't explain it. So if that I mean, were to happen again, I'd just be like, oh, it's a sacral no. Well, and Kelsey, you're a scientist by training. We mm -hmm. live in the Western society. We, we live in a society that favors rationality, scientific method. You have to be able to prove it. You have to be able to explain it. And so it takes a fuck ton of, I am saying the F-bomb so many times today. Um, it is, it takes a lot to be willing to go. I don't have to explain this. I don't have to come up with facts around this. I don't have to like, there's no empirical evidence I need to give for this to be true for me. It can just be true. Like that's, that is, I love a person who can do that. Like that is like such a thing that imagine if all of our kids, I don't have children. Imagine if the children of <laughs> North American society, imagine if, kids grew up know like that that was okay and that's what when i feel when i say yes or no without an explanation it's little me that's having a dance party that's so excited that i'm like someone asked me why i'm like i don't know mm -hmm. says, doing it here i am yep. it's happening mm -hmm. it feels so good beautiful that does feel like a dance party i mm -hmm. love that yeah takes a lot of self-love actually like it, it takes being okay with yourself to be able to listen to yourself yeah to being totally okay with like dance party kelsey inside to like yeah she does have a voice she does get to speak but she doesn't have to explain herself mm -hmm. it's fun it's a mm -hmm. good place to be so freeing mm -hmm. i only shift topics completely okay. oh wow can we talk about canoeing yeah yeah, so what, yeah yeah what do you do with canoeing you do like yeah really long races right yes so you are like this naturally athlete i mean you also work really hard that's not what i'm trying to say but you are like a super athlete in my mind i am like a couch athlete where i take on these challenges. I, I do work out, but take on these challenges that are about mental fortitude. And I have paddled in races that are anywhere between like, uh, 300 to like 700 miles. Um, the race that I'm doing in July coming up this year is way longer than that. It's 1600 kilometers. It's a thousand miles. So it's the longest paddling race in the world. So it's from Whitehorse, Yukon, Whitehorse, Dawson City, sorry, Whitehorse, Yukon, through Dawson um, into Alaska. So we, we finish in the Arctic Circle in Alaska. This is like fully self-supported. My partner Heidi and I, who's like the best thing in the universe, um, my partner Heidi and I will travel fully self-supported. So we'll have all of our gear, everything that we need. 
will camp nightly and will paddle for 18 hours a day for seven to 10 days. So how many people do this? So the race and some of the races I do, they could have like hundred to 200 teams and those teams could be solo people. Um, there's even stand up paddle boarders who do it. It's become kind of a big thing for SUPs to do, which is like totally nuts. Um, to, to teams of like eight, like Voyager type canoes. So how can I make this succinct? So it's called ultra marathon canoeing, marathon canoeing, but we're doing ultra distances, I guess would be the better way to say it. Um, people from all over the world do it. It's like pretty popular, um, in obviously places that have a lot of bodies of water. So there's like a lot of paddlers in Manitoba, Canada, Saskatchewan, Paddle, Canada, Ontario, Canada, um, down in the U S like we do races in Missouri, there's races in California, Texas is a, like a huge hub of it as well. So, um, it's a rather small community. Um, it's kind of a, uh, like a niche sport, I guess. It's like a little bit of a funny sport canoeing to be doing. Um, but a lot of people do it, not just for the athletic challenge. So there are like very athletic people who've like competed in other sports and like you've taken this on it like later in life because it is something you can do throughout your life. But there's also people who are like, I want to prove something to myself. I'm going to sign up for this three day canoe race where, and I've never canoed. Like there, there are people who do it from that perspective as well, which is so cool. So it's like really a community of people who want to accomplish something and accomplish something unexpected. Cause you know, like you don't get paid. Like, you know, it's, it's really about personal challenge. It's like totally about, um, testing yourself in situations that you don't get to experience on a day-to-day -day life. Like I really like the idea that hard things are going to happen to all of us unexpectedly. So if we can put ourselves into hard situations and practice what it's like to show up for them intentionally, then when the unexpected happens, our mental stamina, you know, our, our emotional and, and spiritual strength and character is forged already you know, and, and so the unexpected becomes less terrifying. Bad things are going to happen. Hard things are going to happen. I go choose to, to do them for, you know, 70 hours straight of paddling so that when they come up, I know I got the chops. Um, very excited for this race in the Yukon. We just found out. So there's 40 teams competing in it this year. There's only one other women's team. We'll be the second. There's only one women's team to ever complete the race. We would really like to beat their time. We would really like to. That would uh, be amazing. Feel, yeah, I mean, whatever. It's all, it's conscious competition. Um, but there was 2,000 teams that applied to do this race this July. And only 40, 40 of us are competing, which is like insanity. Because they really want to see in this one that you have backcountry experience as well. That you're going to be comfortable pitching a tent. That like, if a bear comes around, like, you're going to know what to do. Um, uh, you know, if there's an, a medical emergency for your partner, like, you know, what do you do in that situation? A lot of, um, it's not just about the canoeing part of it. It's really an expedition, this race. That's coming up. And how much will you actually see the other teams after the start or will you guys be pretty spread out? Yeah, it's a great question. We'll see. So, um, my sense would be like the first couple of days. Yes. And then probably there'll be more of a, more of a spread as we, as a race carries on. Um, an interesting thing about this race is that you're actually disqualified if you have any external contacts. So any, like we will pass through some towns, but if they see that there's been like any social media, any phone calls, like anything like with you in the outside world, your race is null and void. And so you're in a position of not knowing where you are in the field. Um, in the other races I do, we don't know, we don't know, we don't know. And then we know like halfway through and we get kind of updated because we'll have a rest a pit stop with the crew but this race is kind of interesting because like we won't know what's happening around us and and also you like you tend to like doubt yourself because even if you're like oh yeah we passed that team like on day two now it's day five like you're fatigued you're probably having hallucinations by now like you there's all these back channels you some you could have been passing that you have no idea like so you can really play tricks on yourself <laughs> um I interviewed someone on my podcast uh, who kayaked for 69 days and 
he said that he like would just count from one to a thousand all the time because he was like so bored i'm like that i would never do that but i come up with like little stories about other teams or like stories about like where like you know that'll be where my brain goes when it becomes monotonous i never count to a thousand i count a lot do you yeah i count a lot but i rarely get past like 12 like I just, <laughs> and then i just start over again <laughs> You just count in dozens. Yeah, like, at the most. It's often so more like eight or ten. Oh my god. And then god. to start over. And does that like impact your breathing? Are you like counting it like a No, not counting anything. Like... <laughs> <laughs> no, that's how you count people you're passing. <laughs> One, two, three, four. <laughs> no, I've since learned that it's actually uh um like a psychological technique to mm -hmm. keep yourself from like getting all up in your head because yeah. that part of your brain is busy then you can just like be in your body yeah but I started There's, doing it before I knew why what I was doing I could actually see the benefit I could see myself trying to do that in this upcoming race because one of the things that we will do is try to eliminate our eliminate what our brain needs to do so like make make as much stuff streamlined as possible so like we even like write on our boat like have you eaten like we'll be like Rem remember to drink water like like so that if we're just carrying along and we're exhausted like there's at least info coming from other places so that idea of like not occupying your mental energy with anything is like awesome because mental energy is energy like we're burning you're burning thousands and thousands of calories protecting your your intellectual space is awesome. Yeah. Right. It's, it's and are you gonna be like filtering your own water or do you bring your own water? Yeah, yeah, we'll be filtering because we, we couldn't possibly carry enough mm -hmm. um for that for that length of time. The boat would be just not moving. It would be way too heavy. Um so yeah we'll be filtering water and um we do have a lot of food considerations. We do a lot of liquid food, uh liquid calories. That's part of the fun of prepping for this race is like all the, the, um, I want to say administration. That's not the word. I mean, all the like logistics, logistics, there's the words. Yeah. All those logistics are like a super fun, uh, fun thing to be doing with a partner. You know, it's like I said, people do these types of races solo. You can't do this. You can't do the 1600 K one solo, but a lot of them are. And like, that was probably an interest of mine eventually, like to try one race by myself, but I just, it's so cool doing it with a partner. Like you learn so much. You have a bond that's so different than any other relationship. Um, just doing something like that together. How did you get into the sport? My parents, um, so for my parents, 20th wedding anniversary, they had this idea. Oh, I'll, I'll come up with something I want to do. You come up with something you want to do to celebrate our anniversary. Then we'll come back together. And we'll decide what to do. We'll each share our thing. So they came back and my mom wanted to go to Hawaii. She's like, we've never been to Hawaii. I really want to go to Hawaii. My dad was like, oh, there's this, you know, I guess they were doing the Yukon race. They were, there's, there's this 700 kilometer canoe race. We've never canoed together. We're both overweight. Like all of these like factors not to do it, but I think we should do it. And you know, my dad won. So my parents, um, I support crew them a couple of times before like starting to canoe on my own um but yeah like it's so cool my parents went from um yeah just like drinking eating like regular you know very like normal people but like both being overweight to like now they like wake up and do yoga together and they like do these races and they like eat clean like it's very very cool um that was an inspiration that got me into it and then my friend Heidi um had raced before and then we both live in the same city so we wanted to like get out together and we just had fun and she's so good for like hey what about this she's very adventurous very like up for anything and like very smart about it she's like very cool because i think i'm up for anything and unprepared like i'm like yeah i'll do anything once like i just open my big fat mouth and say yes to things she's very like I'll, I'll think of this idea and then I'll totally think of it and I'll have all the ideas for it and I'll really know how to accomplish it and execute it. And I'm just more of the like, yeah, sure, fuck, I'll come along um, personality. So uh, yeah, that's like, that's been part of the journey. And 
I've learned a lot about um, myself in it. Like, um, I've learned to tamper that part of me that just says yes to everything and like kind of lets everything happen. Like I've learned to be more thoughtful and prepare and train harder and like be ready for things. Um, in the last race we did, we had really, really bad weather on the lake portion of the race. And to the point that like a lot of teams were like either dumping or like pulling over to the side and waiting for the winds to change. And it was very, very hard and hard paddling. And I was in, I'm paddling the stern, which is the back of the boat. And so my, a big part of my responsibility is making sure we're traveling in the right direction. So it's a lot about like ruddering tech, like that's a word I can use to say, like directing the boat. And that's harder when it's really, really windy. And I was, we did great. Like we, we had an awesome time in the lake and like we were very proud of our, how we did in the conditions that we had. But I was fucking bagged like for the, like the rest of the race was really hard, like way harder than it's been in the past because I was mentally fatigued from all the decisions I was making about like what side of the boat are we paddling on and like, you know, just the intensity of the situation. And I was physically fatigued because I had to work harder than I normally would. And so the lesson in that, like that has me thinking a lot about what's my preparation this year so that like if something intense like that happens, it doesn't like wreck me to the degree that it wrecked me last time. So there's- Wait, and so what have you come up with? I'm just training harder. Like I, I'm working with a personal trainer. I'm just being more um, more intentional about like the phys physiological stress I'm putting my body under in preparation. And like, for me, it's literally building more, more muscle. So like I'm pretty small, um, you know, I'm like five, three. So I always had this idea in canoeing that, well, fuck it, I'm small but mentally no one can beat me. So that's like, that was kind of always my mantra. Like, well, mentally I'm very strong. Mentally I'm not going to quit. I know I'm not going to quit. However, that actually ended up being a limit. So anything, anything positive that we believe about ourselves also has the shadow side, right? So I that was such an empowering belief. It was so empowering to like put all this faith in my own mental belief, in my own mental stamina and capacity. But the, the shadow side of that is, so then I kind of neglected the other stuff, right? So because I, I had that belief that like, oh, I'm only good mentally, I really like, I ignored the physical aspect um, more so. So that, that was kind of an intention, something that like came into my attention was like, oh, I like, okay, so the mental's good, but like, how can I make the other stuff better without having to continue to rely on that, like, just get it done mentality, so yeah. Yeah. How does that show up in your coaching and your business? Love that question. Uh, love, love, love. Uh, I really resonate with clients who are competitive. <laughs> like, like I work with a lot of people who've like played sports or like, just, I just love competition. I'm, I fucking love it so much. So it, it shows up that way that like, I think I probably attract people that are uh, competition friendly and they like that idea of like always getting better and like never being satisfied, which again is, is a positive and a negative like you know there's a shadow side to that way of being in the world um and then just like when i started my business it's kind of like when i anytime i start a race or i decide i'm gonna do a race like i it doesn't even cross my mind that's not gonna work like it's which is dangerous like i, I take a lot of risks i like i just never think it's not gonna work like it doesn't enter my mindset to be like oh what could like I'm working on the what could go wrong so that I have like strategies to deal with it. Similar to the experience I just shared about like, Oh, if I have bad weather next time, like how could I be better prepared for that? But overall, like I, I don't, I don't think it's not going to work. And it's amazing. So that's like on a general business perspective, like when I founded the business, it was like, yeah, I'm a coach. Here we go. Like it's easy. But also when I'm working individually with people, that's a huge part of what I'm doing because I like, never don't think that they're going to accomplish the thing that they say they're going to accomplish. I never don't doubt their capacity. Like, I'm just like, yeah, if that's what you want to make happen, like that's completely going to happen. Like I see that. So, um, that, that's a huge part of it. I think like I've never thought I wasn't going to cross the finish line in a race, which is very common in these races. Like they usually have like a probably like a 30% scratch rate because it's, in, it's grueling. Right. Yeah. Um, but I've like literally like never even thought that was a possibility. 
and similarly like with the people that I work with like I just like don't think them growing and transforming is not a possibility if I said that right you know what I'm saying I know what you're saying I don't know if you said it right and it doesn't matter <laughs> I think everyone understands what you're saying you believe in people you believe that everyone is capable of growing and transforming yeah and everyone's like perfect the way they are and just becoming a better expression of their perfection like mm-hmm. it's this very cool dichotomy like you are whole and complete and everything you need to be is you how do you get to express it more so we're both growing and transforming and we're honoring the reality that it already exists yeah so we're never like creating you into something new we're just like you're finding who you are and getting to express it in new ways Yes. And it's not at all that you're not good enough now and need to become good enough. It's yes. that you are perfect and whole and wonderful and beautiful as you are. And you can want more. You mm-hmm. can like, you're worthy of your desires. Yeah. You're worthy of growth. So I've coexist. never, I've shared this before with people, but I've never shared it publicly. So I'm going to get a little bit vulnerable with you. So, uh, I, uh, I guess this is coming on like, a, I don't even know how long ago it was like a year or two years ago, I was having some really bad mental health stuff. And I like, was like really uncontrollable and inconsolable. And so I checked myself into urgent care. So in Canada, it's great. You can just show up and like be served. So I went to urgent care. I ended up getting medicated with antipsychotics. And that was very emotional. Like, oh, so that my self-talk is like, oh, there's something wrong with me. I'm broken. Like, I'm not okay. Like, I shouldn't be this way. I'm a coach and I'm fucked up. Like, a lot of negativity. Started taking medication. Had, have had really challenging relationships with medication because I fundamentally believe that the human experience is beautiful and perfect. So why the fuck would I need medication? So, like, that's, that's also been a challenge. I have issues with big pharma, all this, like, again, it's like the Western mentality that I think is, we have to take with a grain of salt. We have to be critical. of. So anyways, so I was taking medication. Then it happened again a month or two later. And I was like, I'm not okay. So I checked myself back into urgent care. I, I was like, I couldn't function. Check myself into urgent care. They do this thing on, they do a form on me, which means now you're hospitalized. It's illegal for you to leave the hospital. I was on a psych ward. So I was like literally, you know, I went from like living my great life to like being in a hospital with schizophrenics and like people who were experiencing schizophrenia, like living on this ward. Like my friends were getting their bags checked when they would come visit me so that they didn't have like, you know, suicidal type. Like this is like a serious event is what I'm trying to say. And it was also so beautiful. I had a beautiful time and experience like being in this, being on a form. I couldn't leave. I was like, it was very instructed to me. Like you will get arrested. Like the police will come after you if you leave the hospital. Um, and like six or eight months later, I was sitting, I, for my birthday, took myself on a spa day. So I spent the whole day like getting massage, and I was sitting in my robe, like halfway through my day. And I saw this painting on the wall and I was like, I don't think it was the same painting as like a painting that was in the hospital, but it's like instantly transported me back to that experience. And I had this moment of complete clarity that they were equal experiences. Me being in this spa and getting like, and you know, spending this money on myself, being pampered, like, like all the things that were true about that experience were exactly identical and equal to the fact that I was like in a mental ward, like, you know, like like to to say it crudely, like the experience of both of those places was equal and is equal. How much sense does that make? It's very nonsensical, but yeah, I, I can feel it. I don't know if your words make sense, but they're, they're equal. Like it's, it's, it's a no judgment piece. It's like that, the experience of like being in this beautiful environment, getting taken care of, like feeling abundant is like just as equal in value in value, I guess. Yeah. It's, 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 
that's not good or bad. Just like being in the mental ward wasn't good or bad. They're, they're equal experiences. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know why I have the impulse to share that with you, but that, that's just what's coming up for me is this idea of like, it's all the same. Well, I think it's interesting. I think we, we think like, yeah, it was a big deal that you were in the mental ward and scary and all of that. And going to a spa tends to be less scary, but they're both places where you go to let other people take care of you. Right. Mm-hmm. Yes. And to be healed and like to, to receive, mm-hmm. um, that's very challenging. Um, here, this is, this is the distinction I think that maybe we have socially. If I'm in the mental ward, I'm receiving because I'm broken. If I'm in the spa, I'm receiving because I'm already in this beautiful place of abundance. So how can we consistently keep ourselves open to being receiving from a place of, like we said before, you're perfect, you're whole, everything's great. Like, great's the wrong word too, but like, you know what I mean? It's like the... If I can be in a state of I'm okay and I'm perfect, it is not scary for me to ask for help. If there's something wrong with me, if, if, I'm, in a, if I'm in a deficit, if I'm lacking, if I am broken, it is demoralizing to ask for help. That's my personal, that's like my read of the situation. It's, it's um, way harder to receive service, care, you know, pampering when it's because I'm, there's something wrong with me. And I think that that's, that's where I get, this is where like a big coaching belief comes in for me. And I really, really get activated (laughs) about the idea of helping people. I want to throw up when I hear that. That's a big sacral no for me. (laughs) You know, that's like very soul no. Because if I come in with the energy that someone needs my help as their coach, I think that there's something wrong with them. I think that they need fixing. So I, I'm like, I get, when I hear other coaches talk about like, I'm doing this because I want to help people. It activates my own shit. And I'm like, oh, like, I don't, no one needs your fucking help. Like, nobody needs nobody help. <laughs> well, very- I, have, I have a similar response to the terms like service and serve because I feel like that's like hierarchical whether the coach is higher than the client or the client is higher than the coach it doesn't matter but I believe in connection yeah co-creation is really like a Mm -hmm. a beautiful place and it and it it takes and I'm curious about your experience with people that you work with but when I work with someone and they have something that they want to address, something that's been like impacting them or like a pattern that keeps happening in their life. And they're not aware yet of why that pattern exists. They're aware of there's this thing happening, but they don't know how to or what to, or like just where to start to like address it. I feel that I can be in more of a guide mode. Like there's some things that I might share with them, which I still, I I really take care to do from a place of like, I'm not helping you. Like, this is all you, like you're taking or leaving and you're like, this is your own um, experience and choice. So it's really like empowered. But then as we evolve in our relationship, or if I meet someone who's like done a lot of the work already, um, it's way quicker to jump into co-creative relationship. Um, Yeah, that's kind of like as, I don't want to skip specifics about particular people that I work with or anything, but like just that idea of um, co-creation as opposed to, I'm not serving you. I'm not, this isn't in service of you. This is like a, a mutual experience, um, which maybe some coaches are afraid or even like therapists, or maybe that's a scary thing for people to say, because then it's like, well, then why do you pay me? Right? Mm-hmm. Like, like, you know, or, or if I can do this on my own, like, I don't need you. And you know what? Nobody needs me. Like, I don't, I, my clients could all, I can never talk to any of them again tomorrow and they don't fucking need me. Nobody needs me. Um, when we come from a desire place, like this is what I want to be doing. I want this person's energy. I want to be co-creating with them. It's very, very empowering. Mm, I agree completely. I love that you, you just put words. I didn't have words for that. So thank you. Mm. 
for that. I like, you know, for me, a coaching, like a really effective coaching relationship is one where we both get off the call totally jazzed and empowered. Yes. I am regularly inspired by my clients. Like I'm like so often just like, holy fuck, like they are fucking killing it. Like they're so brave. They're so that like all those things. And it's, it's a mirror, right? Like it's a reflection. It's why like, I would never, I would never hire a coach who, I wouldn't hire a coach who had something that I wanted, but I would hire a coach who was like so fully authentically living themselves. Yes. So like, I don't care. I don't care like how much money the coach has made, if that's not important. Like, I just care that they, they are fully self-expressed. Mm, I agree completely. And you can feel like, oh man, I, I'm such a snob now. I like real, <laughs> and I'm just like owning my snobbery. I'm like, I'm a fucking great coach. And so I don't have a lot of patience for like <laughs> what I see as like shit coaching. Um, and I think there's a lot of it out there. And I think that like, that's it. It's not a concern. I don't care. I really don't care if someone calls themselves a coach and they're not certified or whatever. Like that's, I'm not afraid of that. Like it's, it's awesome. I think that there that there is value in speaking up about what are actual, the, actually the values of coaching. And I fundamentally am like helping people to me is not a coaching value. It is not like, that's a therapy value. That's a massage therapist value. Maybe, I don't know, but like, to me, that's like fundamentally disparate from coaching. Um, and who knows, maybe in six months I'll be like, Brooke, you were full of shit. Like, you know, like, well, like what would you say coaching values are for you? Yes. So I kind of mentioned earlier at the beginning of the call, believing that whatever is meant to emerge will emerge, not needing to direct, being comfortable to direct, but also believing that whatever comes up, comes up. And so part of that looks like I'm in a session with someone, they say, I, I'm working on this, you know, I want to make partner in my firm. Okay. We have this big goal. Great. Then they start talking about like how they had a goldfish when they were five years old. I'm like, okay, what's a goldfish about? Like, I, like, I don't think that goldfish is brought up for nothing. I think that the wind blows. Okay. That's something like they're, they're being alert and aware of the present moment is, is a coaching value to, to me, a deep coaching value. The idea that people are perfect and hold the way they are. You have like, you cannot coach without being in that place. I really like fundamentally think like, shut the fuck up. If you're like, if, if you're looking at me as broken, I don't want to talk to you. I don't want to mm -hmm. work. Um, so those are like two huge ones. Um, there's other ones that like, I probably live very, I think the walk the talk thing that I just brought up, like the idea of doesn't mean that you're doing what I want to do. It just means that I can, I can observe you doing what you want to be doing. Um, ownership's a huge part of it. Like, I think you and I might've chatted about the idea of like, uh, othering language. So like, people in the world are all angry about X as opposed to saying, I am angry about X. So a lot of ownership is a big part of my coaching. Like how do you take full responsibility and ownership for your personal experiences, for where you're at in life, for what you're experiencing, for what you're creating. That's a huge part of it. Um, in my, so those are coaching ideas in my business. Um, fundamental ideas is courage, mm -hmm. courage, fun and aliveness are like the, the guiding posts for my business. Courage meaning, showing up courage meaning like being willing to admit when something's scary and also like trusting yourself to do it anyway fun being pretty self-explanatory i'm not having fun i ain't about it like and i think that there can be fun in everything dark things can be fun everything can be fun and then aliveness for me is like i have this phrase i like to when i notice certain people i'm like oh they're very alive to the world and what that means for me and why I value that so much is it's like whatever's happening in their experience around them, to them, for them, like whatever is going on, they're just present to it. Like being alive to the world to me is curiosity, spontaneity, interest, verve. It's, um, it's not shying away from something. So a, uh, a common experience that I observe is a negative feeling comes up, a negative emotion, a negative thing happens. I want to avoid it. 
And I'm not saying this for me personally, I'm saying like that's something I observe. So we avoid the negativity. Aliveness to me is the opposite of that. It's like, oh, I notice and I be in this negativity, I experience this darkness. It's, it's like being present to the shadow. Um, oh, it's so fun to talk. I fucking love coaching. Oh my God. You know, <laughs> I just like fundamentally, it's like, if can you imagine a world where we all interacted with each other like that, imagine if everyone in the world interacted with everyone else as if they were whole and perfect and amazing the way they were and that they were just consistently developing more of their wholeness. That's like, what I, want. I love that world. Like that is the world that I like want to play and live in forever and ever and ever and ever. Me too. So juicy. It is. Brooke, it's we could sparkly go on. AF. It is it's sparkly, sparkly AF. AF. <laughs> we could keep going on for hours and hours. But we gotta we gotta wrap this up. So one last question. Let's wrap it. Wrap it. You've got a billboard anywhere you Ooh. want. What does it say? Mm, live your truth. Hmm. What does that mean to you? If there is some part of you as a person that is not fully expressed or that is denied or that is rejected, you are killing yourself. Living your truth means every part of you is honored by you. The part of you that hates something, the part of you that, a big thing that's been coming up with a lot of my clients is sexuality like sexual identity. Um, I'm a man. I might be attracted to other men too. Oh, I, maybe I want to wear makeup. Like some of those things have been coming up for me. Living your truth is like, okay, that's where you're at. Okay. 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 And not going, Oh, there's something wrong with me because, Oh, I'm broken. Oh, I'm wrong. Oh, like living your truth doesn't mean like, yeah. Okay. So tell the world you're gay. That's, that's not it. It's like, okay, there's a part of me that might, be homosexual or attracted to men. Okay. Living my truth might be just saying it to my coach. Living my truth might be having a sexual relationship with a man. It could be a lot of different things, but don't shut it up. Live <laughs> your truth. Don't shut it up. That's the whole billboard. Um, yeah. It means not shutting, shutting off any part of ourselves. It means being fully alive and present to all things within us. I love that. I'm going to get that fucking billboard. <laughs> Where are you going to put it? Well, I'm going to come put it in Florida. Oh. When I come down to Miami next month, I'm going to just put it up there. <laughs> I think that'll look great. Uh, you are a beautiful, radiant soul. Thank you so much for sharing your wisdom with us. I had so much fun. Thank you for the invitation. <laughs> oh, you're welcome. You're such a good little projector. Um, how can people find you and learn more about you and work with you yeah. or get on your wait list? <laughs> um, super amazing to like connect with people through you, Kelsey. I'm sure the people that listen to this are all fucking sparkly as fuck competitive geniuses. I think they're probably all amazing. So I can't wait to just be in their energy. Um, my website's Infinite Courage Coaching. That's my business. I'm more active on LinkedIn. And then I am on Facebook, but it's Brooke Ramsey. Find me anywhere. Uh, yeah. And Play your on. podcast? Yes, which Kelsey was a guest on. I'm speaking to them and to you. You, you yourself were a guest on. Kelsey Abbott was the guest on. My podcast is called Ultra Human. I interview people who take on unique challenges because they can, not because they have to. <laughs> um, and yeah, we kind of talk about the, the spiritual and mental and physical elements of of athletics, but also of what it means to take on big challenges in life. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Awesome. Everyone has a podcast now, Kelsey. You know. So thank you for anyone who listened to this. God, your ear time is so valuable. Your listening time is so valuable. Thank you for giving it to us. That is a perfect way to wrap this up. Thank you. Lots of love. So awesome to connect. All right, we did it. What did you think? Brooke is someone who is amazing and powerful and brilliant 
and totally living and owning her unique greatness, right? I hope you really enjoyed that conversation. If you'd like to support the Finder Awesome podcast, please go to patreon.com slash Kelsey Abbott and let's build a community over there. Thank you so much for putting us in your ears today. Thank you for everything you do to share and support the podcast. And please, if you are inspired to share this episode, share your favorite episode wherever you share stuff. And please leave a rating and review on iTunes. Thank you so much for your support.